don't press record this time. Uh, we weren't <laughs> recording? Oh, no. That's too bad. <laughs> Here we go. Oh. Living in a scientific age, I think this is still a long one too. Yeah, it is. About science, I don't have a short one. Decisions about what they do. We use science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness, but it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? Absolutely not. It'll be up to you. And you too. Todd Workhoe. Hello, Mark. How are you? I am good. It is good to be back. It's been a couple weeks. It has. Uh, you were, last week you were with your family in uh, uh, Hood River? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I went yeah. to see my, my mom and dad out in, in, in Hood River in their new brewery blocks or oh, whatever yeah. it is down Super there. Fancy, yeah, yeah, which is nice. Um, do you know what you call... A mediocre pyrotechnics engineer. No. Okay, boomer. <laughs> that was good. I like that. I should. Uh, I think that's the biggest laugh I have. I think. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's good. worth good. it. Wow, the how that's like the most topical dad joke you've ever had. <laughs> I think. Somebody. Somebody had a. a different version of that that didn't really work it didn't work really well. it, they, they were like what's a, a suicide bomber <laughs> that's only meh you know like <laughs> who only does a, oh you can't say okay though i've been trying to teach uh liam uh colin's little brother is is at that age where he's forming his own jokes but still not quite sure of all the rules and stuff like that and he likes to do pun jokes of course but still can't quite figure out that you're not supposed to use any of the words in the punchline in the setup right so anyway. and mediocre is always a great word to use that is a good it's word mediocre it makes mediocre. your mouth feel good to see mate to say mediocre. but it's totally spelled wrong like <laughs> That C R mediocre, mediocre. Yeah, yeah it is kind of. It is spelled like ochre. Oh, no, that's okra. I'm thinking <laughs> ochre is a color, though. I think right. Maybe I don't know. Joker. Mo, yes. Uh, but we were gone. Um, we've been gone for a little bit because we also did the um, Fun Employment Radio 10 year <gasps> anniversary. That was amazing. Uh, par party, which was great. And if you missed it, then you missed it because the great thing about it is like every 20 minutes, something will completely different and insane was happening, yeah. which was totally cool. And we uh, we were there with Portland at the movies, uh, you, me and Brian, who made it for who made it for sound check. And then I have never seen someone in real life look as sick as Brian looked that night. He he got so sick so fast and then he got home and he had a 102.5 uh, uh, temperature. temperature and he was shaking and, and it uh, was so, whole, and he he came to he came to play the game he came to play or whatever <laughs> right. the sports cast just said and he was there for sound check and um he's like where is there a, a green room and like which is like nine flights downstairs <laughs> so i brought him down there and it was just this sad little gross green room couch and he just like curled up on it in the fetal position and he had like a tiny little jean jacket thing on that he was like trying Aww. to sleep under and it was bad so yeah about 20 minutes before we went on he just pulled the ripcord and <clears throat> yeah so the the show went on and um you were able to drudge up some uh clips yeah, so um, I had complex. we uh, we reviewed the movie technically called uh, The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper, uh, and it worked out good because we had a projector and we projected it on the wall, and um, so we showed the trailer and a couple couple things from that, and then I had a surprise that no one except you and Brian knew about it, and I had found a movie that Greg Nibbler, who was uh, half of Fun Employment Radio, and they were putting on the party that he was in, and I don't even know when the movie came out, so the mid-2000s, yeah, I think, 2005, um, called Mazzai. Messiah Complex, Messiah Complex, that um, movie madness of all places, of course, had it. And so I went there and rented it. I ended up renting it for free because they do have a little uh, local filmmakers section that if you rent another movie, you can get anything from that shelf and for free and take it home and check it out, which I thought was cool. 
but I didn't rent anything else and they forgot to charge me. So I'm like, I asked, I'm like, why don't I have to pay for this? <laughs> and they're like, oh shoot, we forgot or whatever. So I got it there and, and excerpted, uh, Greg's clip and he, he, he plays, there's a couple scenes he was in and he plays like some crazy cult preacher, something or other, just in this terrible, terrible movie. So surprised him and everyone else who had, like he had never even talked about this movie. Like he's talked about his acting stuff before, but he has never talked about that. <laughs> so as we were able to play those, which just I knew no matter Sarah what was, happened, Sarah was dying. Yes, and uh, his co-work. There's some people from Digital Trends there too, <laughs> and so they were seeing like Greg's talked about his podcast a little bit, but like right. not. And so to watch them like absorb the whole <laughs> evening because then there's uh, Geek in the City went on after us but then there was the praetorians which is keelan king's band and i'm i don't know how to describe i need to ask him how he describes the genre of that band specifically because it's right. like medieval ish hip-hop it's and so it's like this really cool niche i just don't know what to call it right. when i try to explain it so they went on and then greg is in a in an 80s butt rock band called courage and they sing terrible songs like about mullets and stuff I, the songs aren't terrible but like the lyrics are just all just bad 80s stuff but the band is really good and so it was it was funny to see the digital trends people uh watch all that happening but i knew we had the ace in the hole with those <laughs> clips so no matter how rocky of a start with brian falling out and we had a little bit of tech issues at the it beginning was, and it was rough it didn't yeah it did not matter it's gonna be funny when i release the episode because it's gonna be like three minutes of content because the rest of it is just visual and right we were only on for 15 minutes so <laughs> so look out for that yeah so that that evening was great and we just really appreciate fun employment radio and yep. uh sarah Dillon and, uh, and greg nibbler are just uh, icons in the local uh, broadcasting oh, yeah. community. And speaking of, there was a reunion of yeah of the Rick Emerson the show. Rick Emerson and show. So, Rick Emerson and Tim Riley were there, and they did some news story. They read the news story of when Greg was carjacked at a Burger King parking lot or a Burgerville parking lot, which is just amazing to hear Tim and Rick there. And so it was great. So sorry if you weren't there. You yeah. you missed out. You missed out, but uh, yeah. So we're back and. Uh, Better than ever. Uh, better than ever. Um, I have been listening to the audiobook A Warning by Anonymous. Okay. And so this is, uh, if you remember, about a year ago, there was the New York Times op-ed piece from a senior Trump advisor who is working it from the inside to protect the country from okay. the failings of the president. I, I vaguely remember it, but I mean, honestly... <laughs> It's, we never remember when was when was it WikiLeaks cycle. exposed that like all the rich people in the world were cheating with option and like it was a big thing and now the Panama Papers yeah, yeah. now no one like remembers no one, no one cares it's right. too difficult yeah. uh, and uh, so this this book it's you are fake news <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's really well well written and is there any speculation on the to there's lots this of speculation. Is? I have my personal belief. I think it's Jared Kushner. Uh, so I'm going on record saying that's Jared Kushner. Really? Uh, so <clears throat> it seems too slimy to be in it for anything other than. Would you say that? Would you not about say that about Obama? <laughs> Boy, I made the mistake last Friday. <laughs> posting something political. My once a quarter. It's, yeah, I, I saw the rant. <laughs> <laughs> you mean well reasoned and right <laughs> that non emotionally <laughs> the the quarter page diatribe on on Facebook. old man yells at cloud <laughs> exactly blames Republicans for everything and so uh, so I th I think it's Jared uh, it's clearly written from somebody with a kind of a, a young perspective on things. Okay, and I was going to ask if it seemed like there was a political leaning of the author that you could tell or if that's kind it's, of... It's, it's, I'm sure they have to keep it they very, very, very vague. Very vague, and you you always always have to consider that they're throwing um, you know, red herrings in there to throw you off the trail of who right. it is. And it's somebody that is still in the administration and has been there since the beginning. Oh wow! That and so that's a very small. Does it seem more likely than it's Kellyanne group. Conway then, or is she just like, <laughs> she is like the at the end of uh, 
<laughs> Indiana Jones. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and the Just last crusade. She drank skeletor. from the wrong cup <laughs> like years ago. But that fascinates me too with her and George Conway or Conway or whatever his last name yeah. is. Like, uh, what do they talk about at dinner? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, <laughs> they both just I, crawl into their their crypts <laughs> and sleep for another night. Eat another baby to rejuvenate their re- rejuvenate their life force. We are the opposite of the not nerd who always plays their sounder for the least political podcast out there. <laughs> We're going the other way, yeah, I guess, on this. Totally. One, uh, and so it's uh, it doesn't disparage anyone other than the president. It is only talking about the very specific actions and okay. and character and history and leanings and motivations of Trump. And that's it. And so um it's it's a fascinating journey to be on. And so this the author and So this person claims to be a person that is help buffering whatever. So that's their reason for correct. Staying. Yeah, they're okay. they're staying because they it doesn't make sense that would be Kushner then because he's only there because of his relationship to his like literal relationship <laughs> to, his, to the president. Right. And the 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 tone of the yeah I, I anyway, agree with yeah. you. And I wonder if it, it will come out at some point. Uh, I, I, Feel it's like, like it deep, has to a have deep throat, deep throat thing finally came 30 out thirty years and, ago uh, or from l- now. Um, primary colors author finally came out. Oh, okay. Yeah, stuff like, stuff like that. So, Who was that? I don't remember. Somebody nobody cared nobody, about. Nobody. Knew. <laughs> nobody <And> cared. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's it's it validates everything that you hear <laughs> of, about like. Well, he clearly didn't understand this. He clearly doesn't listen in briefings. He clearly blah, 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 blah. and um, it validates every one of those those points. And That's kind of worrisome, though, too. If it's just, yeah. I know, echo chamber preaching to the crowd. Yeah, and all all of the other books have have different perspectives on the same incidents, and they're they're all consistent. Of okay, like when. Trump said I always wonder good like good people on both sides like everybody just collectively broke <laughs> inside and you know and and gave I do wonder about that and especially like especially at the bins you'll see a bunch of the, the political books and like in this day and age you were like by the time you were even to print like everything you've said is outdated yeah. like it seems so pointless to even try to Write a mark a moment yeah. in time right now because like everything is just sliding so fast and or moving so fast. And so this book includes things right up to and including the Ukraine phone call investigation. Oh, so wow. it's very, very, very recent. Oh, wow. I didn't know yeah. it was that recent. Yeah. Anyway, well, hooray. There's that. Um, I also watched It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And so, <gasps> did you? So the Mr. I, Rogers. Did you watch the documentary that came out? I did. I didn't. I am too afraid because I know it'll just no, like. It's fantastic. I yeah, mean, I know it's like, fantastic. I'm just, it'll just emotionally break me. I oh, think yeah. Just because of just like, he's so good. He's so, so like, good. So I, w- we were both, uh, we, I went with Nick yesterday morning and we were both very concerned about this movie not living up to what it needed to live up to. Sure. You know, and, and. As you said, like he's he's such a a, a good icon right. of something so unique and, right. and just just a, a beautiful human. He's like the holiest and, man who right. isn't right who isn't a Christ, <laughs> right? And and that was kind of addressed as well as like what uh, talking to his wife and what's like living with a saint, you yeah. Know? And uh, she's like. He's a human right. and he's real and sure. you know, Raj does this thing, you know, and uh it it was fantastic. It did a really great job. Uh the the main actor, he plays a writer who is kind of a hardcore um he does these exposes where he just tears people apart okay. and then learns all their truths and exposes it all because this is not and i only know this because uh once a week i do a little write-up about a movie review show 
talk. So I just have to distill what they're talking about. And that was this week. And so it's not a bio, biopic, biopic, whatever. One, right. But it's not that. It's the story of this journalist who. Which was a true story. Sure. So yeah, yeah, he yeah. wrote. But it's not the story of Mr. Rogers. Correct. Right. And you don't learn a lot about what makes him tick. Like what his. Right. I'm sure the documentary production. did that. Yeah. It did a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so took the story of this guy who uh, is an author and a skeptic of, you know, well, there's Mr. Rock- Rogers, the character on TV, and then there's Fred Rogers, who clearly the monster. can't be like that, right? right. And, uh, and <laughs> Mr. Rogers just gently pokes into this guy's life in a way that nobody else has been able to do and and just gently breaks him ultimately right. with love, <laughs> with love. Yeah. And, and it's remarkably done and and really huh. and so the the actor who played this journalist is actually a british actor who had never heard of mr rogers oh funny uh, i saw him on one of the late night talk shows okay and uh watching his interview with uh I, I think Seth Myers, and and so that was it was an interesting uh, angle. yeah because I'm sure there's not a lot of traction about Mr. Rogers outside the U S. No. It's not like that yeah. was a that was like Oprah when we were in Italy. Nobody had we tried. Oh really? We tried to find anyone who had ever heard. Oh, of see, Oprah. that's interesting. I would have thought she would have nope. had a bigger in reach in Italy. She does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Oprah that she'll go over there. <laughs> Demand. <laughs> we asked with lots of cool. <laughs> lots of hand gestures. Uh, yeah. So uh, that was great. And then uh, this last week's uh, Tesla released their uh, announced their Cybertruck. They did, and I got a frantic text from you imploring <laughs> me to run to my nearest YouTube. <laughs> so we. Uh, we knew it was starting at eight o'clock. We just arrived home. We just sat on the couch. We just got it started. It started like five minutes late, and and so we were right on time. And uh, Elon Musk consistently is the worst public <laughs> speaker that exists in modern <laughs> world. He he is terrible. And anyone watching an Apple presentation could take. Elon's presentation and just give five notes of like, here's how to make this mediocre. Right. (laughs) He needs to take that Ted talk course that they wanted to send Brian through. Yes. And uh, so he's a terrible presenter. It just sounds like they threw him on stage with no notes and whispered in his ear. Talk about a truck, you know, just like, (laughs) well, you know, we're, 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 we kind of uh, we've got a we got a truck, you know. Like, what? <laughs> this is Elon. Like, no, it, it seemed like it was unscripted. It right. Like it was, uh, and they had a couple cool demonstrations, and then the the final demonstration, <laughs> the demonstration out, heard round the world, went disastrously. Like, I epically disastrously twice, twice, <laughs> and they repeated it, and so. Uh, yeah, so they they did a fantastic drop ball demonstration on glass where they ascended a ladder and took this five pound steel ball and dropped it on the glass and it doesn't do anything. It's awesome. And they should have just walked away at that point. But they said, you know, Franz, go take the ball and and hit the window with it. Right. He's like and later it was shown that there were be backstage i saw because i was like you think they would have done this before and apparently they did backstage and it was well the one that they did backstage they threw the ball and it bounced off and in this demonstration he held the ball in his hand and hit it and so i don't think it had the ability to recoil as much oh i are you sure that he held it in his hand i thought he threw it no he he on stage on stage Oh, and he never let go. I don't believe so. Oh, wow! And and so it just shattered the window, <laughs> and then he's like, and literally Elon Musk says, "Oh my fucking god!" <laughs> so uh, at least it didn't go through, <laughs> everyone. Go right? And so he's like, "Oh, try the other one," you know. And he first hit, 
does the same thing. Both <laughs> first hit, first I try. Oh moved. shoot! I thought that was the. <laughs> you moved it around. I thought that was the did, was... <laughs> the crowd laughter button. There we go. And uh, and so and so that was the end of the demonstration part and the like the beginning of talking about it. And behind him <laughs> is his car with two broken windows framing his conversation so for the rest. Every single picture. Uh, it was they like their kingdom for a revolving stage, like the old timey cars on Price is Right or whatever. They just yes. need to turn it around right. to the other side. I mean, even you know, Bill Gates is famous blue screen of death during, you know, we got a plug and play printer and he plugs it in and blue screen of death <laughs> and everybody's wah. You know, and that screen goes off and they continue without missing a beat from that point on. This wasn't that. This was so much worse. And and he's such a poor orator that in the best of circumstances. Right. And so he didn't he wasn't able to play it off. He just he just like yeah, you know, and, and anyway, wow. so uh, so, so then, you... they, then they uh pre ordered 170,000 of them. Well, or our friend, our friend Dan Lynn also pre ordered one. Did he? He said he did. I said, You take us <laughs> for a ride and I'll do a whole podcast for you <laughs> all about the Tesla truck. <laughs> but so I didn't realize like they had really kept it under wraps, and so the day before. Um, or that must have been the day because uh, for Digital Trends, um, that was their top story. Is like, tonight, the big unveiling of Cybertruck or whatever. And so I was finding pictures to use for that episode and just, of course, Googled Cybertruck and used something that somebody else had made. The thinking that it was one of the concept that looked actually like a, more of the Tesla car. No. Yeah. And then I get your whatever message and I, I look at it and I'm like, what? When they drove it on stage, there was just jaw dropping <laughs> around the world <laughs> it is so polarizing it is i think i think at this point it is a publicity kind of a gimmick because i mean there it's not road legal it doesn't have side view mirrors it didn't have there's a couple different uh, the uh, safety lights or something like all of those things it doesn't have a bumper like all of those things that cars need to have to be on the road it does not have so it's going into production at the end of 21 <laughs> sure yeah 2021 okay. so so we've we've got some time to refine <laughs> to fix the windows to fix the windows <laughs> they they fixed the windows before giving test drives i did that see night. that yeah i did see that so they did that uh, but i saw too um somebody's youtube marquis brownlee i think is his name who i only know through not nerd as well um, he does more tech stuff, but he somehow was like first in line to get a ride in it. Have you seen the inside? Not, I've, I've seen it like looks one like one picture. It, there's nothing inside. It literally looks like a granite countertop <laughs> with a steering wheel sticking out of it and then like an iPad <laughs> well, glued on to well, it. Well, that's the, that's the model three. Uh, approach as well. There's no you need to. Diagrams. It is. It is. Yes, but it is done in the style of whatever the style this new Tesla <laughs> is, which is terrible. I'm sure everyone has made the joke, including me, about how it looks like the Pontiac Aztec mated with a DeLorean. <laughs> and are you finding pictures of the interior? Uh, Tesla Semi. No. 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 Uh. Uh, anyway, well, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll read a couple stories here. You, you can find a picture of the in, the interior, but but you like, I like purportedly, it. <laughs> I like it. So sources <laughs> close to Mark say that he likes it. I like the concept of cold rolled steel, basically folded into an exoskeleton with origami, <laughs> and and so it's a low, you know, there's no frame. The frame is the exoskeleton. Weird. And so the body is the frame. And that gives them a lot more flexibility of what to do on the inside. So they've got a three motor version that yeah. has a 500 mile range. And that's that's here in Portland, Oregon to Reno, Nevada. Wow. Uh, without recharging. And you're talking about range and anxiety. That's gone at Rang, that point. Rangxiety. Rangxiety is gone. And so that's that's really, really great news. And so they, they're just pushing the boundaries on 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 everything. That's why I think it's more of a publicity thing 
to kind of push the the glass or the, to push some of the things because else I don't I think if it looked like a lot of the concepts that were coming out before the announcement it would be people would be talking less about what it does I guess because it's like sure. oh we've seen this now it's a truck as opposed right. to like the things that this does we now have to talk about it because like now you have to answer for what this looks like so right. defend yourself Elon <laughs> right and, and then you can say well it's this and this they can and... put solar panels on the back that charge it enough to drive it every day wow and right. I was I was I was uh concerned let me register my concern about the Tesla tr Cybertruck. <laughs> but it looked like it had no, like you couldn't even see out of it. But I did see the roof is also glass, like on, on yeah. other Teslas too, so that you are able to kind of see around you because like the window, the side windows are, are very small and angled. So seeing out seemed like it would be problematic, especially with no side mirrors. But <laughs> anyway, so well, we'll see what happened. It was a, a, a pretty defining moment, I think. <laughs> And uh, it was kind of nice to have a little, a little anxiety release of, of having something <laughs> totally. comical happen that wasn't really, really all that bad in, in, in the big deal. But well, let's move on to some of the news stories that I've had open for four or five weeks in my browser. So some of these may be a little bit dated, but um, in the last couple of weeks since we've done, I think Gert Boyle, who was uh, the the. Uh, the charismatic woman in charge of Columbia Sportswear died at 95 years old. Um, her son, Tim, took charge as president and CEO. Uh, Gert inspired the 1984 campaign One Tough Mother, uh, which also graces her 2005 autobiography. Um, Boyle added to her legend at 87, I didn't know this, when she foiled dr a dramatic 2010 invasion of her West Lynn home. A Bush League kidnapper followed Boyle into her garage with a copy of her book and an impressive replica handgun and demanded money. Uh, Boyle had the presence of mind to insist she first needed to disable her home security system, but instead she pressed the silent panic button, summoning, summoning the police. Boyle ended up with bruises and a bloody lip, but Westland's police chief swung by to ask how she was faring, and she said, everything was okay until you showed up in a North Face jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they had $2.47 billion worth of uh, net sales in 2017. Um, she was worth... Nearly nine hundred million dollars, making her one of the wealthiest Oregonians. And so one tough woman, one yeah. tough mother. And I got to meet her at uh, a Portland Business Journal oh, Power wow. Breakfast. Oh, cool! Uh, about a year and a half ago, she was she was pretty rough. Just a fight, yeah, but, I was gonna say, just, not someone but, I'd want to know in person, but probably a good business owner. Obviously, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very much lived up to what uh, what they they said of her in the ad campaign. Indeed. So. Uh, also, some sad news, a life well-lived, Rojo the Therapy Llama mm -hmm. passed away. So that was a couple of weeks ago, too, but it happened kind of unexpectedly. I do like how, this is from Coin News, a life well-lived, <laughs> which is fun. Uh, so Rojo the Beloved Therapy Llama, who won the hearts of countless people around Portland, died from health complications shortly before, this is the part I didn't know, shortly before he was due to be euthanized. Yeah. Uh, Rojo's announcers announced the news on his Facebook page. Um, it was planned for Wednesday morning, but he passed away at 7, 7 a.m. 7.55 a.m. Um, Rojo's, this is my favorite fact, which, <laughs> telling this to somebody, I told it to Colin's brothers, and they just... Just thought it was the most, it was the funniest thing because it is. Rojo's taxidermied body is now featured at the Washington State School for the Blind. Yes. In their wildlife safari room. Uh, <laughs> the owner said that way students can go and get to know what things like a cougar or a bear and now what a llama feels like, which didn't occur to me until that. And I was like, oh, that's neat. Because I yeah. think the um, uh, Isaiah, who is a blind, a, a special needs client of mine, he went to Washington School for the Blind. Oh, and nice. He graduated out of it, but. So that's how I knew it. I'm like, it's at Isaiah School. And now I'll never get to see it because he graduated. <laughs> so for 12 years, the llama served as a therapy llama at adult care centers, special needs groups, and schools in and around Portland. So sad to see Rojo passed. Um, but uh, there, I think there are some backup llamas that they yeah, are they, able they've to got use a, now. They've got a herd of nine. I was talking to Shannon, the uh, handler, yeah. at the Weird Portland United Gala. And uh, so they've got a whole herd of – There was she brought an alpaca to the – uh, Weird Portland United Gala. Um, turns out that llamas and alpacas uh, will not 
reveal the fact that they have any uh any amount of pain in them and See, so and they this, would just hide it and you told me that and i'm like and it sort of makes sense but i'm like how do you assess the like when a llama is lying to you <laughs> in order to like come off as well manly or whatever right and so we we spent time with rojo during the photo shoot right and that was about a three or four hour experience. Uh, got there at seven in the morning and, and people started arriving at like nine and it went until 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon. And Shannon brought Rojo over to his mark and then he just stood there um, chewing his cud uh, for four hours. <laughs> Didn't move. For life. Wasn't interested in moving, just <laughs> watching and, and knew not to leave right. that spot. Right. And I think of like a dog or <laughs> any other cat. animal cat. Stay <laughs> Just, on that mark for four hours. Whatever. <laughs> and uh and so like if like Rojo may have been in distress during that time and had pain or whatever, but, okay, but there's not no outward very stoic, stoic. A, a Germanic animal. <laughs> the duchiest of animals. <laughs> there is this video and I didn't even watch the whole thing. It was 12 minutes long, but it was, um, it was something like, is Dutch cooking good? And at first <laughs> I was like, well, like I can't think of a, of a Dutch food. Like, I didn't really grow up. I mean, there's some like just throw waffles and like those yeah. things, but those are like treats and like, I don't, there's no Dutch cuisine or whatever. So I started watching the video and they described Dutch food as practical. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, well, yeah, there it is. Very and it was basically meat, potatoes and beans. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, yep. that's what it is. Meat, potatoes, and beans. And sometimes herring. We, <laughs> we, we didn't do a lot of fish for some reason. I don't know if that was just my family or, or, but yeah, I don't think that's more of like a, a nor. Norwegian thing as opposed to in Amsterdam there was like a hairy all the weird... vendor uh, oh, yeah. on every corner <laughs> you know you just go up and buy a herring, herring. on a stick <laughs> totally just drop it but yeah and it was like and and they had a couple people who were you know tasting some of the food or like they were talking about the different kinds of food and some of the quotes were like wow there's so many different words for bread it's like oh yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> and you can't just put all your leftovers in mashed potatoes and pour gravy over it. I'm like, but you can. <laughs> it's called stomptaput. <laughs> so that was funny. Uh, anyway, oh, here's a heartwarming story. A speech pathologist teaches her dog to use a soundboard and now communicates in sentences. So Christina Hunger, who is 26 and a speech language pathologist in San Diego, um, Works with one and two year old children, many of which have adapted devices to, to communicate. So she wondered what would happen if she taught her two month old puppy uh, named Stella to do the same. Uh, if dogs can understand the words we say to them, shouldn't they be able to say words to us? She asked. So she and her fiance, Jake, uh, created a button that just said outside and then pressed it every time they would open the door. Uh, so then every time she wanted outside, um, Stella would look at the button and press it. Uh, then they added more buttons that said, eat, water, play, walk, know, come, help, buy, and love you. And so every day I spent uh, time using Stella's button to talk to her and teach her words just as I would use, uh, just as I would in speech therapy classes with children. Instead of rewarding Stella with a treat, we responded to her communication by acknowledging her message and responding accordingly. And this is my favorite. Stella's voice and opinion matters just as much as ours do, she said. <laughs> <laughs> if Stella's water bowl is uh -huh. empty, she says water. If she wants to play tug of war, she says play. She even began to tell friends bye if they put on their jackets at the door. Um, then she's, Stella started using different words to make phrases. And one afternoon, um, oh, uh, one afternoon, shortly after daylight savings time, she began saying eat at three o'clock. Um, uh oh, now now I erased the rest of that paragraph, which is amazing. <laughs> um, but basically, after Control she C. said eat, <laughs> I know, after she after she said eat, and obviously it was daylight savings time, so they ignored it. The dog said "love you no" and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> so Stella has now learned over twenty nine words and combined up to five at a time to make a phrase or sentences. Uh, just about the. Um, Ability similar to a two-year-old. So, have you seen the video? I've I've watched a video. Oh, have you? Stella. I saw that there was one, but I did not watch yeah, it. It's 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 worth the watch. It's, it's like Coco it's really the Gorilla. The, it's very Coco the Gorilla kitten. I know. And... The first, Let me out was Coco's first thing. That's a 
I, we did it to another animal just two. I forget which one. It's like we took some orangutan or something like that to talk. And the first thing it said was like, I'm trapped or whatever. <laughs> Living hellhole. <laughs> Being abused. Oh. Don't you know so, I'm living in a cage? Uh, I don't remember what the specific situation was, but one of the buttons broke and... Stella surmised other other words Whoa. to describe it, and so it was, instead of like out, it it was like not in, or yeah, whatever. right, yeah, no play or something, yeah, you know. wow, and so it was clearly not just a equals b, or right, it right. was, uh, it a, wasn't a Pavlovian. A, I know I'm gonna right, get right. This is, it, it yeah. was more imparting meaning, yeah. Wow. Fascinating. That's so Fascinating. crazy. We should take Pudge, Pug to talk. <laughs> what would Pug say? <laughs> that, that Pug. <laughs> he would just... Uh, just uh, would flip off the button, first of all. <laughs> just like, you want me to what? <coughs> and uh, yeah, it would be eat and <laughs> outside. And that's, that's sleep. It. And that's uh, that's it. Uh, well, people are mad at Madonna. Do you know why, Mark? Um, um, uh, I don't, I was going to try to come up with a material girl <laughs> joke no, or something. Yeah, I don't know. No, because she starts her concerts too late. So one man is suing. So after she, uh, changed her concerts to start at 1030 instead of 830, um, one fan sued. The lawsuit comes as a fans, um, have been angry at her because she keeps being tardy. So she was, um, going on later and later at uh, originally like this said 8 30 showtime but she wasn't going on until like 12 30 at night and yeah. then like it wasn't getting over until three she was three hours late to our show and it, well yeah and my and mine too but i knew going i knew that ahead of time it seems like everybody does so it's like that's less of a if, if it's consistently the same amount of late then adjust your plan then she's on guy. time <laughs> then you're on time and i was trying to figure out I'm like well why like i mean she's 60 years old like why are you going on at midnight? Like that doesn't, I'm trying to make sense of it, but I wonder, I have a, I have a theory that I wonder if she is trying to stay on European time because she lives in Europe and I think she might be ending her tour there. And so I'm wondering if when you bounce around the world like that and you have to perform and dance for like three hours every night and you're 61 years old, if it just makes more sense to stay on one timetable no matter where you're at. So that was my yeah. that was my theory about it. Yeah, uh, she showed up on stage and said, um, a queen is never late. People were not very happy with their response, which I thought was pretty great. Um, but anyway, so they're suing her for breach of contract, la la, blah, 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 because it starts too late for Nate Hollander, who is filing the lawsuit to stay up at night, I guess. So anyway... But off to better news, Colorado becomes the first state to cap insulin costs. So beginning in January, nice. residents who have diabetes won't pay more than $100 a month out of pocket for insulin, said the governor. Uh, the law limits co-payments for the 30-day supply. Insulin has become a prime example of runaway drug prices in the United States. So Colorado, Colorado legislators laid out the problem in the text of the bill stating that insulin prices have increased over the four, past 14 years even with inflation taken into account how do you, mark how do you how much do you think insulin prices have increased in the uh, last 14 years percentage wise 3000% oh not quite 555% <laughs> only uh, so uh, depending on their insurance blah 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 um, they're right now paying between 600 and 900 dollars a month for insulin uh, to keep them alive 20% of those users underuse the drug because it is too expensive so um that is uh, so, and Colorado is now. Uh, they just passed legislation to authorize the state's health policy and financing department to develop a plan to begin importing drugs from Canada. So now we are legislating things to save us from our own healthcare system and go use Canada's socialist nightmare of of health. Aren't we supposed to be an industrialized nation? No, uh, there is no freedom in industry or something. Uh, well, anyway, the EPA is going to tighten limits to, to the science used to write public health rules. Ugh. I'm not going to read this whole thing. It's too depressing. But um, 
they, there's too much science um, in our health <laughs> laws. And at one point, one of them said that smog, where is it? Oh, the, the, the only people against this, or the only people for this run a website um, that, uh, <laughs> and the member, oh boy, so Stephen Milroy, a member of Trump's EPA transition team who runs junkscience.org, is a website that questions established climate change science and contends particulate matter and smog does not harm human health. Oh, so they've clearly never had football practice in the <laughs> evening in Southern California like I did, right. where you felt like you'd been smoking for 50 years <laughs> after you had practice. We even had smog days where you wouldn't, oh, yeah. like they just called off practice. So I won't read that. <sighs> Instead, there's been a lot of stories about the, a UFO mystery involving um, the Navy acknowledging that there are quote-unquote UFOs, which just means they're unidentified flying objects, not from necessarily from space or whatever. From, <laughs> from the Blink-182 uh, uh, video? Are you familiar I, with that? No. That's a weird <laughs> poll. <laughs> so they they included a leaked video clip oh recently recently oh, okay yeah in one of their music videos oh okay that then was uh oh i think one by... of the blink 82 guys wasn't he a part of the storm storm yeah, uh, totally. area 51 <laughs> totally. okay oh that's funny it all comes together okay uh, so the U.S. Navy's uh, acknowledgement that the 2004 videos of an encounter with a UFO were real has caused much consternation. Uh, now a report says two unknown individuals told several Navy officers who witnessed this event uh, to delete the evidence. So there's all of this stuff going on. And I know there's been some sightings over Oregon, too, that they have. Um, uh, so all of the conspiracies, therefore, must be real. Um, but so it'll be interesting to see what some of this turns out to be. I'm sure it's just unreported new weapons or flight technology or, or stuff a like weather that. Balloon, that's a that, weather balloon. That's what that it is. always is. Do they still use weather balloons? They must. They must. For sure. They go, huh? Apologies. Well, Earth ma Earth's, Earth's magnetic song was recorded for the first time during a solar storm. So data from the ESA's cluster mission, which is pretty great, uh, had provided a recording of the eerie song that Earth sings when hit by a solar storm. The song comes from the waves generated by Earth's magnetic field by the collision of the storm. So here is what uh, Earth's magnetic uh, field sounds like. Let's see if this works. Which is pretty cool, I do have to say. Science and technology. That is like straight out of a 1950s like movie with a Jacob, one of those Jacob Ladder electric <laughs> things in the background. Um, so anyway, sing the song of our of our people. I've got way too much more news here, so. Uh, so they, uh, one researcher in doing research about, um, um, they were studying motion sickness. Okay. Had a device that they, uh, was on a strap that puts a low frequency vibration on their head right behind their ear, and it cured these people's tinnitus. Oh wow! <laughs> so, really? So or lessened and and everything. So. Uh, they, uh, there's no further research at the moment. This was just accidental. Just, it was the it vulcanized of, rubber it was of the tinnitus. Of tinnitus. And so uh, uh, tinnitus is a, a ringing or a noise in the ears. I have it pretty significantly and uh, a lot of people do. And uh, now is it, I thought you, we'd gone into this before. <laughs> we were going to get that fixed or whatever. Right. But it's not... Didn't you say it's not an ear problem? It's not it's an a ear problem. It's a brain mental problem. issue, <laughs> right? Totally, it, it is. Uh, it's neurological, not uh, related. Physical. Yeah, it's not physical. So I hear it exactly the same way in both ears. So, and like, so if my if it process. was your like your cilia vibrating, right. then you could noise cancel that out. I would think you could mm. opposite vibrate that. Yeah, to cancel or, it out, or or do something, or or you, apparently put something on the back of your ear that. Yeah. So this. Um, is it's supposed that it's it's kind of telling your brain about you know it's giving your brain other information that the brain is going oh 
I need to process it this way instead. Okay. And so it's still dealing with the neurological issue, but uh, clearly lots more research so to weird. be done. But yeah, tinnitus is wacky. Ugh, so, so bodies are so weird. <laughs> uh, well, the Keystone Pipeline spill now looks worse than it previously thought. I just have all sorts of good news over here. So uh, it turns out that the spill uh, in Bismarck, North Dakota, this is from, uh, in eastern North Dakota, has turned out to have affected almost 10 times the amount of land as first reported. So about 22,500 square feet of land was affected when 383,000 gallons of oil um, leaked out. Um, crude began flowing through the $5.2 billion pipeline in 2011. Uh, it's not, I thought this was the same as when they were protesting when like a year or two ago, um, all the Native right. Americans in, right. in that era, era were saying, hey, hey, guess what? This leaks all over our land. And everyone's like, nah, <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> so that's a different one. There's a proposed Keystone XL pipeline that will go from Western Canada to terminals on the Gulf Coast. So that goes all the way through or the proposed one will go all the way through um, North America. Um, so we'll see. We'll see where that one goes. Uh, good news. Bacteria-infected mosquitoes take a bite out of deadly dengue fever. Um, it was an impossibly long article hidden behind a paywall so that I did not copy it. But basically, <laughs> they have unleashed mosquitoes that uh, have uh, some sort of antidote, for lack of a better word, to dengue fever so that they don't uh, the mosquitoes no longer spread it and that people will not contract it if bitten from a mosquito that is carrying it. So... If we can figure out how to control disease spread by mosquitoes, we are going to be a much healthier planet. So one last thing. Do you have anything anything more? <clears throat> no more news. news. All right. Well, boy, this is going to end on a bummer, too. Koalas are now functionally extinct. What? After Australia brush fires destroy 80% of oh. their habitat. Um, after a record-breaking drought and brush fires... Um, Chairman of the Australia Koala Foundation, Deborah Tebert, estimates that over a thousand koalas have been killed from the fires and 80% of their habitat has been destroyed. Um, functional extinction is when a population becomes so limited they no longer play a significant role in their ecosystems and population becomes no longer viable. While some individuals could produce, uh, the limited number of koalas makes the long-term viability of the species unlikely and highly susceptible to disease. So between deforestation and brush fires, um, destroy the main nutrient source of the koala, which is, Mark, what? What do koalas eat? Um, uh, sycamore. Eucalyptus. Eucalyptus. Uh, an adult will eat up to two pounds per day as its main staple. Um, the the plants will grow back in, after a fire, but it leaves. Uh, it takes months, leaving no food in the meantime. So uh, many are urging Australia to enact the Koala Protection Act, written in 2016, but never passed. But it was uh, molded after the Bald Eagle Protection Act in the United States, which uh, worked to bring the bald eagle back from um, almost extinction as well. Um, the funds being sent right now will used, be used for a koala ark as a <laughs> refuge for burned koalas. Oh. So that's been a viral video this last week of that lady who saved the koala by taking off her shirt. So everyone save koalas near you. <laughs> ah. Cool. You want to talk about um, our fantastic sponsor? I do want to talk about our first fantastic sponsor. I told you this at the, um, at the fun employment thing, but my cousin, um, for anonymity, I'll call him M. Vanderpaul. Or no, wait, that's too obvious. We'll call him Mark VP. <laughs> My cousin was doing the crossword puzzle. And he said the, the clue was Sonic blank. And the first thing he thought was, was Sonic sketches, which are an amazing way to get your favorite song displayed as a beautiful piece of art. We are coming up on Christmas. And since you guys are not ordering my notebooks, you must be saving your money for a Sonic sketch, uh, which actually makes a really cool gift. You can get it um, as a one panel 12 by 12 inch display or you can get um, three of them that are 8 by 24 and you set them all next to each other and it makes a complete picture of the waveform of your favorite song or perhaps um, uh, personalized audio that you have you could use um, if you use the promo code Mark Todd, you can get free shipping anywhere in the United States. So be sure to use that. Go to sonicsketches.com and check them out. They're really cool and they make awesome gifts. So go check them out. Nice. <sighs> yeah. 
Let's use. Oh, this is gone. What does this one do now? That's oh, the that's show. Our main one. Where's that other um, opening intro music? The sitcom music. Uh, well, that that's over on a different screen. Oh, white different so screens it, and everything. Yeah. You want to? Wow. Yeah. I uh, wanted. I wanted. I think we can. Let's transition with that. Or I can just play. Yeah. All righty. Welcome back. It's five past the hour. You've got your weather coming up on the tens right now. Let's go look at traffic with Mark Middleton. How are you? How are um, things looking out there, I'm Mark? I'm good. I'm good. So, uh, so what I thought we'd talk about today is um, kind of a Renaissance woman from local lore. I couldn't find a lot of detail around her, but uh, her name is Edna Christofferson. And Edna was born in the late 1800s and lived in the Portland metro area uh, since she was five years old on. And uh, <clears throat> a lot of the time she lived in Vancouver, Washington, just a suburb of here. And uh, she was uh, significant in the, in the local community for like three very non-related uh, topics. And... I, I love those kind of people where you know them for one thing and you find out something else like you can tap dance or something like, you're right. like wow, I had no ideas out of context or whatever. And this seemed to describe Edna a lot. So Edna was a, a brilliant marksman and uh, a sharpshooter and uh, kind of she did things. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. She was also one of the pioneer aviation uh, people in in that area of time, you know, before, uh, really before 1936, uh, there was uh, a very small club of, of people who were involved in aeronautics. And um, she and her husband were, were both kind of famous pilots. And she started an aeronautics organization in Oregon and she was the first president and involved and in, flew all over the place and yeah, just kind of uh, a uh, sister of Amelia Earhart kind of in that in that mm -hmm. zone and, and hung out with her quite a bit and also she was a uh, x-ray technician in the <laughs> the turn of the century also seems mind-boggling right. uh, that you would be involved in one of these activities let alone all, <laughs> all three, three of them as a as a woman uh especially during that right. during that time so she um so let's talk about uh edna what edna christopherson, christopherson. Like, like chris christopherson uh, but with a ch and um she was married to silas christopherson who was also an, an aviator and so she aviator i barely knew her nice. so she in 1917 uh was a postgraduate class in x-ray operation and she when did they start using x-rays that's how you know i don't know around the time they invented late, aviation i guess yeah well i think x-rays really became into being at the late 1800s okay um 1880s kind of kind of thing um so in 1917, she became uh, started uh, education in uh, radiology, and for six years, she worked as an X-ray technician. And then she traveled to Germany in 1930 for postgraduate work in Hamburg. Uh, she was impressed by commercial aviation in Europe, noting the efficiency of the Berlin airport in particular, mm. and so that kind of inspired her amount of involvement in the aviation community. So by 1932, 153 students had graduated from Christofferson School. She started a uh, an institute for teaching X-ray and radiological stuff. So she went on to become a technician in hospitals throughout the Pacific Northwest. Uh, as a marksman, she was, um, she said, uh, she believed that a pistol and a knowledge of its operation is the best possible means of home protection for a woman. And she was the founder and president of the Oregon's Women Revolver Club, nice. uh, founded in 1928. And the club had 15 charter, charter members, and uh, she taught women how to uh, how to shoot. Nice. Uh, she was awarded a medal for expert shooting by the United States Department of War. 
After achieving a rating of 85 at the Army course in Vancouver, Washington, at the time, only two other women in the country had made that qualification. And in 1928, she traveled to New York, where she took part in a police shooting competition. She scored 96 out of 100 and uh, won. Uh, she was best in class, uh, including the men. And so she was uh, an, an amazing marks, marksman. Markswoman. Marks, markswomanship. <laughs> and then uh, her aviation career. and Technically, Nick is marksman. Marksman. <laughs> marksman. Marksman. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I already put away my laughter sounder, so I won't get that out. So she was one, to <coughs> one of 24 Portland women who founded an Oregon chapter of the Women's National Aeronautic Association in 1930. Mm. She was the first president of the chapter, uh, along with stunt pilot Dorothy Hester serving as vice president. Hester? Hester. Oh, I should use the... I barely knew her. In honor of Edna. (laughs) Yes. And um, she, in 1931, she enrolled in a flying class run by a national solo flying corporation. And um, the company operated a Portland airport soon to be dedicated in honor of her late husband. Hmm. uh, Not her. her, Not her. Um, (laughs) But he was was in aviation as well. Yeah. And he was part of... Um, there was a club of people. So Silas was, um, uh, let me come up the, with the right word is, there's a group that is considered the founders of aviation, and he was part of that club. I'm looking for the name of it. I cannot find it, but he was obviously also in, in Vancouver, Washington. Right. And, um, but there was... Uh, less than 600 people that were part of this foundations of aeronautics in the world. And he was one of those people. So very, very early adopter of, uh, of a- aviation related stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and so she did a, I'm looking for the aviation career stuff. And um, she set out, uh, she did an expedition to Alaska. She flew all over the place, was super involved. Like, so in, in terms of like inspirational person that is doing a lot of things and, and l- literally making her mark in yeah. each of these communities. A Renaissance just, woman. A Renaissance woman. And so, um, Edna Christofferson, there's a couple clips that you can find in Oregon H- Historical Society of her oh, neat. shooting with handgun targets. Uh, wow. Thing. And, uh, you know, it's 1925 or whatever. <laughs> it's just it's a just giant a, long a, a, denim dress or whatever <laughs> those were. Exactly. 900 yards of fabric <laughs> tied around them. And a flapper <laughs> outfit, you know, and, and everything. But but she was awesome. and uh, Oh, that's cool. And a Portland original. And, yeah. And definitely somebody that... Uh, yeah. Well, and you said, how did you find her. How did you find yeah. her? Yeah. So I found her because I was, I was, I, I really like finding, uh, especially science scientists that were women that are under acknowledged or under represented. So in other words, all women in all science. women in science. <laughs> and, um, and I was hoping to find one from Portland. So I literally found a Wikipedia entry called, uh, a female scientist from Portland, Oregon. And there's, there's like 58 or 60 that, uh, throughout history have notable Wikipedia entries that are from Portland, Oregon. And this is one of them. And that's cool through modern, modern times. And so there's, there's one that we were talking about that is a modern robotics anthropologist and, and just really, really fascinating stuff uh portland seems to be a wellspring of you know really interesting cool. topics uh, coming out in the world and uh edna christopherson was one of those that kind of kicked it off nice well I way like to her. go edna oh i thought i had it. oh there it is <laughs> yeah. there we go edna ah. all right <laughs> oh your that button didn't do anything <laughs> <laughs> is that a squeaky wheel or is that crickets? Crickets. Okay. It's a mouse slowly running on one of those wheels. 
Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, go listen to Fun Employment Radio. Like, again, sad sad if you missed the party, but um, they have stuff every now and then to come to, so you can see us again sometime. I'll give you a choice, Mark, what we're going to go out with. I have a longer song that is one of the most cringe-inducing things I've ever heard, mm. or just a Madonna song. Well, let's go cringe. Uh, okay. I love, love me we won't Madonna, play the but... whole thing. Oh, now if I see this is discussing it as it happens hopefully that hold on here so this is apropos of absolutely nothing um it is a video that uh they used to play on emerson all the time and it's some corporate function for bank of america and a guy have you heard the guy that comes up and sings um sings about their new credit card to the tune of u2's one no Okay, let's see if I can find a clean, clean. It, it is, he's he's an amazing singer. You could tell that he has honed singing U2's one at karaoke. But to hear, to especially to hear him take a song that's like all about peace and uniting the world or whatever, and to talk about credit cards is amazing. So let's see. This one's. And that's when you get like. See, yeah, I don't want Joe Rogan talking about this. <laughs> I want. Corporate America is, it, it's just and that's when you get like that. Such an interesting uh, beast. <laughs> yes, uh, you know uh, um, they've got so much money to do really crappy things. Uh, hopefully, like this song. Hopefully, like this song. But now, now, everyone, everyone, just be patient. I'll cut this out. Everybody's just talking about the song. YouTube has good lawyers. Yeah, really. They've gotten flagged. This is to the tune of because they do that as well. Well, Bank of America probably. Oh, okay. 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 Here we go. Okay. I would like to introduce um, this guest. This really will uh, make you want to peel your skin off. Your results to date, and they've listened to the plans being described today and uh, continue to be excited. What it sounds like they're wrapping up. Uh, the I don't know. I mean, I, I heard today it and beyond 15 and years ago, 12 Jim or 15. Dubois, who is the consumer market exec for the Manhattan market, and Ethan Chandler, who is one of our Manhattan banking center managers. Oh, uh, the, he's playing they the guitar, too. They put a little song too. together for you. So, gentlemen, please come up. Okay. Being trapped at this is like my worst nightmare, by the way. It is even better Now that we're the same but This is after a merger, I believe. Two great companies come together Now MBNA is B of A Like he is singing this way too well. One bank one card, <laughs> one name that's known all over the world. One spirit, we get to share it, leading us all to higher standards. I love a song that consists of corporate bullet points. Do you like the cowboys? About personalized cards. Or your university? Do you like the Yankees? Or is NASCAR more your speed? Well, it's your choice, your right to pick a card that shows your heart and your pride <laughs> we're one with affinity and we'll carry each other carry each other one. i think this is the part this where he's amazing i know he starts talking about the imp different employees i think this part have you come to me, Bruce Hammonds? <laughs> Have you come to me, Liam McGee? 
<laughs> Leah McGee. Have you heard about Michelle Shepard? <laughs> she's leading the team in the Northeast. And she's also in the audience going, I, I no, I, no. We got bank one on the run. What's in your cap? What's in your wallet? What's in your not wallet? It's not Capital One. <laughs> it's us. So which car are you? Integrations never had us feeling so good And we'll make lots of money Forever I can sing About trusting and teamwork And doing the right thing We'll live out our core values This is amazing While the competition oh. crawls Cause they want what we have got But it's only here at Bank of America, it's so one bank, <laughs> one card. This is his moment to shine. That's known all over the world. One heart filled with spirit. We feel it, share it. Singing like Alanis Morissette. <laughs> one bank working every day to bring. Higher standards, higher standards. Whoa. So, do you think this <coughs> is the, the worst the, thing I've ever seen? Yes, yes, I do. So, the origin story of this <laughs> event, like, um, there must have been a corporate event yeah. that had karaoke that he performed at, and. Somebody said, Thank you. wait a minute, Bob. Yeah. And then like six months later, somebody's like, oh, you know what we need? What we need is like just homegrown, local, just a real person, part of our team singing from their heart right. about, you know, all, all this. Together. I agree. Do with we the, know anybody? I, I agree with the whole story, except the person who asked that question was Bob. Just so that he can sing that song because he knew he could crush singing U2's one. And yet nobody could have done that better. I, Bono, Bono himself not could not. Have <laughs> he he refused off. the invitation. Anyway, that is called BOA. Employee sings a very heartfelt song. I so. love it. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye bye.